Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. All right, we're going to be in the book of Luke chapter 10. Luke is the third book in the New Testament. If you're brand new to the Bible, the book of Luke is a great book to start with. Any of the books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are what you may hear called the Gospels, they're basically the, the, the story of Jesus, and they're great books to read to get to know a little bit more about who uh, the Savior of the world is. Luke 10, up on the screen is an introductory question. When was the last time you were thrilled with something? Can you think of a time? To see thrilled is beyond just a good moment. It's like a really, 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 really good moment. There's a definition of thrilled. It's an adjective. It's feeling of great excitement and pleasure. When's the last time you were thrilled with something? One thing that came to my mind is just a few weeks ago, our oldest daughter, Leah, and uh, her husband uh, had their first baby. You want to see him? Yes! Sure. Oh, yeah. He looks just like me. <laughs> They're like, no, he doesn't. Oh, yeah, he does. He looks just like me. Anyway, that's an example that came to my mind of uh, we're just thrilled to have you know, our first grandson, and he's healthy, and all those things. That's just a thrilling moment there. So are you thinking, have you had any of those moments? You're like, yes, this is so cool. I remember another one. Uh, my kids, uh, some of my kids played some sports, and when my daughter was in high school, she played on the volleyball team, and her smaller school was playing a pretty big school, and so pretty much they were sure, we were sure that they would get beat by this big school. Um, but I don't know what happened that night. Her team played really well, and she played really well. And so, like, the underdog beat this really big school. And I'm a little bit of a sports guy, and I don't know why. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> On the way home, I said these words to my wife. She thinks I was exaggerating, but I'm not sure. I said, this is the greatest day ever. <laughs> Just felt really good thrilled. I'm sure you, all of us probably have at least a few moments in life where that's a good description of the moment. I want to make a shift and ask another question. Do you ever imagine God being thrilled with something? That might be a new question. Is God ever thrilled with or in a moment? I also looked up some pictures of Jesus Christ and a few artists have sketched or drawn pictures of Jesus Christ with a happy face? You know, you ever seen these? And so I wondered, like, was there ever, is there everything in any, is there anything ever going on where, like, Jesus or the Father would have this huge smile just because things were so good in the moment? I think there are some indications that that happens. Here's a few scriptures. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He will take great delight in you. And then it describes he will rejoice over you with singing. 
He's feeling so good, he's singing a song over some people. That feels kind of extremely happy. Psalm 35, David says of God, The Lord be exalted who delights in the well-being of his servant. In Luke 15, probably the strongest verse for God being thrilled with something. Uh, It comes in the midst of a parable. A parable is a teaching story that Jesus used. And he tells a story of a shepherd who has a bunch of sheep and one of them gets lost, wanders away. And then the shepherd goes out to find the sheep and he finds the sheep. Now the shepherd represents God. The sheep that wanders represents you and I or other people when they wander away from God or stay away from God. And then it describes when the shepherd brings the sheep back. And it says that there will be more rejoicing in heaven. That sounds pretty happy. Rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So hold those thoughts. We're in a series called Raw, when God gets emotional. And this week we're going to explore a text where Jesus appears to be really excited about something. So here's what might help us understand the verse, a little context. Jesus is doing ministry. Uh, By the way, Jesus did his uh, preaching, teaching, healing ministry for about three years before they crucified him. Uh, So he would preach, teach, travel. Uh, On this day, there's something new in the midst of his ministry program. He typically used 12 men. They're called the apostles or disciples that would travel and minister with him. But on this day, he's expanding this leadership team to 72 individuals. They're going to go out and do ministry like he was doing. Some background verses are in verse 1 of Luke 10, where it says, The Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, The harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Basically, he's saying, go to work, guys. Verse 9 tells us a little bit more. He says, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. So now in verse 17, which is our primary section, the disciples, the 72 people have been out doing ministry and they're coming back and they're giving a report of how well it went. Verse 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome All the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Bounce to verse 21. Here's why we picked this section. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. That sounds to me like he's kind of thrilled. 
full of joy through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was what you were pleased to do. Title of the talk is A Thrilling Moment, and I uh, want to explore what made Jesus so happy here. There's a real practical application side of this. A lot of us would like to bring joy to the Creator, right? Like if you could do something this afternoon that would make Jesus Christ smile, like I know a lot of us would be like, I'd like to do that. Well, some of the things that we'll talk about today can give us just practical ways to bring more joy to God. Can I do a side note? I think a lot of God's, God's existence is, at least a significant portion of it, is a little disappointing regarding humanity. Does that make sense from his vantage point? There's a lot of stuff going on that, he, that doesn't make him smile. A lot of pain, a lot of evil. Amen? I mean, you know there's some evil stuff going on in the world? And I like that stuff. And so for us to bring him moments of joy, that's a huge opportunity. Let's pray. God, um, through the next few minutes, show us some things that we can participate in or do. Uh, and I also think of this, Lord, sorry for the times we've not brought joy, but we've brought <laughs> disappointment to you. I thank you for Jesus, who would forgive us of our sin. Um, but mostly today, give us some ideas on how we can bring you joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Two ideas from the text. First one, Jesus was thrilled about Satan losing, or the devil losing, or the enemy losing. Now, this might be a little bit of a new idea for some of us, but in verse 18, Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It's important to dig into this word fall. Like, what's he mean? Fall like lightning from heaven. So I, I looked at the definition, and this was helpful to me. The word fall there is a verb. It means to fall, fall under condemnation. It means to go from erect to a prostrate position. So instead of like standing to down on your face. And then, this was super helpful. It could be translated beat down. So it's not far from here to think Jesus is saying to the disciples, while you're out there doing ministry, I was watching you give the devil a beat down and I loved it. Isn't that interesting? Now that might be kind of new to us because we think, oh, well, well, well you know, Jesus, because he is full of compassion and all those things, but for him to get joy over someone's demise. But I, I think if we go this one place, we can understand how that can happen because you and I probably, maybe not some of you, but probably, have you ever gotten joy from someone's de demise? Come on now, where you were like, they got theirs, and you're like, I am so glad, <laughs> right? Let me give you an example, real kind of real-life example recently. There's this NCAA tournament thing going on. Have you heard of that March Madness thing? So I was in a conversation last week with a guy who comes to the church, 
and he referenced this game early in the, in the basketball tournament. So, so you've got the Farley Dickinson Knights, which is a small university in Osceola. Like, where in the world? I have no, I never even heard of that place. I'm sorry if you went to school. No, I really am sorry if you went to school there, because where in the world is that? By the way, they were ranked 16th in a group of 16 schools. So the prediction is, right, they are not going to win. And then they played the number one ranked in their grouping, Purdue Boilermakers. So I'm in a conversation. Can you see who won? Like, and the underdogs won. So anyway, I'm talking to this uh, friend of mine at church, and he is an IU fan. Now pay attention. <laughs> he was so happy about the outcome of this game, and I don't think it had anything to do he was with with the Farley Dickinson Knights. He was so pumped because Purdue lost. He was unusually joyful at the fact that Purdue got beat. By the way, the next week IU went down too, so it's all fair or something. So there's some of that joy, if you will, rejoicing when in, in God when the devil loses. We don't often think of the things that God hates. There are a few things God hates. There's some Proverbs that tell us that there's a list of like seven things that the Lord hates. God hates sin. He hates, he hates a lot of things. One of the things he hates, he hates the enemy, the devil. And you think, oh, no, no, God's all loving. Oh, wait. Sorry. If our only understanding of God is loving, we have a misunderstanding of the creator of the universe. Anyone who says just God is all loving is wrong. God is also just. Does that make sense? Some of you are like, no, I don't know. My grandma said that he loves, he's super love. Sorry, <laughs> granny was wrong. Granny, miss, rep, I'm going on a tangent. Did you feel it? I'm going on a tangent. We are so whacked out, which is a biblical term. In Hebrew, it means crazy. Whacked out. I made that up. We're whacked out if we only think God is some mushy, gushy, lovey, huggy person. He is not. He gets honked off at sin and evil and when people are getting hurt and sin. That's bad. God does not embrace that. He gets frustrated with it. Out of his love for people, when people are getting beat up by the devil, he hates the devil. By the way, he's, some of us have done things. I have done things that the Lord hated. I am sure of it. I won't tell you the thing. But I am sure that God looked down and he had love for me. Yes, hated the stuff that I was doing. It might help us to understand how God can hate or be frustrated with the enemy, so much so that he's glad when he gets beat down. Let's just remember that some of the history of the devil. God created all things good, Genesis chapter 1. God made everything. It was amazing. 
there's some indication in Isaiah chapter 14 that at one point in history, we don't know all the details, but the devil, who was an angel, uh, got prideful, rebelled against God, and said, I don't want to obey you anymore. I don't want to do your thing. I want to do my thing. And he left his privileged position in the spiritual world, and also a, a number of other angels left with him, and now we'll call them demons. And then in Genesis 3, uh, the devil is represented as a serpent that tempts Adam and Eve into sin. And from that point on, when human beings uh, got tempted into sin, everything just gets worse and worse and worse. Now, by the way, there's good news because Jesus comes in the midst of it. But here's a, a little simple idea uh, come on the screen. The trail of pain in the world is littered with the devil's fingerprints. Did I forget a fill in the blank? Jesus got pleasure. Did I, did I say that? Oh, here, this is what we're talking about. That Jesus got pleasure from the devil's pain. He really did. He got pleasure from the devil's pain. Another thing that may have added to Jesus rejoicing when the disciples went out and were doing this ministry and, and resisted and fought against the enemy's plans is Jesus' three-year experience in doing ministry. Um, you may not know this. About one-third of the healings that Jesus performed, the root cause of the sickness was spiritual, demonic. So if you're reading through the Gospels, every once in a while it'll just say someone was sick. And every once in a while, a person will have a sickness or an illness or a, a situation, and he won't say they were, there was a spirit causing the pain and problem in a person. So I was just thinking about Jesus, how many times he would go into a community, and sometimes he was just healing a physical Ill illness, and other times he would look at someone in pain, he would know because he was the son of God, it's the devil doing this to this person that I care about. And after about number 842, how many of you know you'd see someone who was like, let's just say there's one record of a boy who was having seizures and it was because of a spirit. Can you imagine the compassion of Jesus? Like, oh man, this poor kid's having seizures. By the way, I don't think all seizures are spiritual cause. But he sees this kid suffering, and who's causing the suffering? It's that stupid devil again. And it's in the midst of that frustration, I think Jesus would be like, I just want to punch him in the face. Not the kid, the devil. <laughs> Does that make sense? So that's some of what's going on, going on here. 1 John 3, 8. The devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's why he is so glad that the disciples are out destroying or resisting the enemy's work. So let's bring this idea into the room with some practical ways we can bring joy to God the Father and Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. I've got three ideas. The first one is resist temptation. These are things we could do today or this week. Make Christ's, make Christ's day 
by resisting or resist temptation. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself then to God. And look at this. Look at this. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. My interpretation of that, if we resist, he runs away because he loses. Because we resist the temptation that the, that the enemy is offering. So really, practically, if you pause and think... Later today, or probably sometime this week, there will be something, that, some temptation that you consistently struggle with. Can you think of, how do you have a temptation that regularly you have to fight with? And fit it, so, okay. okay, for those of you that are not raising your hands, we're evicting you from the church because you're lying. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're in a really good season. But most of us like have a, a thing that we know we ought not do or we really know we should do it, but we just typically don't do it. Here's the idea. This week, just resist that thing and you will kind of give the enemy a beat down and God will absolutely love it. Isn't that a cool thought? By the way, it's good for us too. Be strong this week. Resist temptation. Pray hard. <laughs> I know some of you are already praying hard. But go beyond just simple prayers. Pray before a meal or pray about some things that are, I would argue, maybe a little bit of the smaller things. Take on a fight for God. When you're watching the news and you see something that evil, that was evil happened in the city or you're aware of some evil thing that's going on, just, to, just go for a walk and pray for 30 minutes straight about that. Just repeat the prayer again and again. Does that make, just take something on and fight for it. Maybe you've got a family situation. I thought of this. Maybe one of, your, maybe, maybe one of your little ones or a niece or nephew is struggling with night terrors. Like they're just, they're, no one knows why, but they cry out. And, you know, they, it happens sometimes. Maybe some of you have been through that. How about we just decide, you just decide as their aunt or uncle or mom or dad, that you're going to fast every Wednesday from now until they have a good night's sleep. That's it. You're going to fight that fight for them. Maybe you have a child who's beginning to go down the wrong path. You see a, you see a, um, a tendency in them developing and you're like, oh, that's, no, 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 we don't, right? So like fear of, uh, fear of man or uh, one of our kids, uh, I remember they started to be really driven by the opinions of their peers. Like, oh, wait, that's not going to, you've got to be able to make decisions whether Susie Q likes it or not. That was a girl, Susie Q. She's in a class. Does that make sense? And you know God gives you insight as a parent. Wait, 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 this is not, they're, they're steering the wrong way. Just decide you're going to put your spiritual foot down and you're going to come up with a strategy for defeating that 
enemy thing that he's trying to do in their life, just decide, no, no, no. I'm going to pray hard enough that that will get fixed, and I will pray hard enough until that does change. Okay. Be light. Be light. Oh, did I hit the Luke 10 verse? I have given you. We got to go back. Pray hard. Did I hit the I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy? Did I hit that or not? I'm such a bad person. Pray for me. Pray for me. Fast. Every Wednesday from now until I get better. Just know as a Christian, that's what God gives us. To overcome all the power of the enemy. Use some of that power. All right. Now on to the be light. Be light. John 1.5 says the light shines in the darkness. So just let your light shine. Be aggressively kind in a world that is sometimes too dark, right? Be patient when other people are not patient. Be generous when everybody else is trying to keep everything for themselves. Be light. <laughs> All right, Jesus was thrilled about Satan losing. Jesus was thrilled about the humble getting special attention. The humble getting special attention. We're especially going to focus on the humble. Humble, you can be humble at all, age, all ages, but we're especially going to talk about the, the like children who tend to be in a humble position from a biblical standpoint. Um, in verse 21, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father. Here we go. You have hidden these things from the wise and learned, from the, you know, smart people, powerful people, or they think they're smart, they think they're powerful. He says, and revealed them to little children. And this was part of his joy, this revelation, this special attention, special concern for little, the little ones. Uh, example, illustration. Uh, did I tell you? We, I've got a grandson. Did I tell you that? Okay. Did you want to see him again? I figured you probably. I mean, we can do this multiple times. There he is. All right. So there he is. I have plans to do special things with that guy. I, I mean, I just, sometimes I just daydream about as he gets a little bigger and can walk, or even if he can't walk, I'll probably just pretend he's walking. I am so eager to share insights about what the world is like and how God created things and, and bring joy into, does that mean, I just, you know, I'm going to maybe start a little extra money fund just in case I can do something special for him so that if he ever says, could I have that? Yes. Yes, you can. The boy wants four of those. No. I, I'll probably keep some self-control about that stuff. But you get the picture. So here is the idea we're exploring. This is fill in the blank. God enjoys giving special attention to the little guys. It's a really simple point. But it's good to be reminded that part of Jesus' joy was God was revealing the kingdom of heaven to the humble people 
oftentimes preferring people like people either who were children or who were childlike. 1 Corinthians 1 says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. And he goes on to say, God chose the lowly thing. He chooses the lowly, the humble things. There's a, probably a better verse or section in Mark chapter 10. People are bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuke the parents bringing the kids. And it says Jesus saw this and he was indignant. He is honked. We could have put this in the series because it's one of the times Jesus was really frustrated. What's he frustrated about? He wants to bless and take time with the kids. I can imagine so much of his day was taken up by adults who are adults. And I wonder if in this moment he's a little bit, not a little bit, like frustrated, like of all the people to push away. You're pushing away my fun kid time. I want to hang out with the kids. It goes on to say, he didn't just place his hands on them. It says in one of the Gospels, it says he, he, it says he brought them into his arms. So he could have got away with, yeah, I'll just, you know, pray a blessing on little Billy and Sparky and Tanisha and Bart, whatever, whatever. But instead, I picture him, could be wrong, but I picture him going, come here, you guys. So how, does, how do we uh, make this applicable? A couple things to close. This idea of Jesus being thrilled about the humble getting special attention. First of all, how am I treating, treating the kids? Just a good time to remember, how am I treating the kids? And you can think of a lot of aspects. Am I taking extra time? Am I being patient when I'm trying to teach them? Am I consistently caring, loving? Do I have enough time? Or am I just saying, here's the iPad, go away. How are we doing a treat? How are we treating the kids? How we treat them may have an impact on the joy of God. Then the last one, I won't have time to dig into it, but what is my perception of me, of your own self-perception? Do you think you're all wise and learned from our text? Don't get too, <laughs> I thought of this, don't get too big for your britches, my friends. Because we're all children in God's eyes, and if we get too proud or full of ourselves, then God, the Bible says that God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble, the childlike. So just to recap our two ideas. Jesus was thrilled about Satan losing and the humble getting special attention. Why don't you stand and we're going to close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.